Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, my name is Olivia Carney, and I'm the author of The Art of the Board. Today on The Cookbook Show, we're all about boards and Thanksgiving. When you're hosting Thanksgiving, one of the easiest ways to elevate your tablescape is by including a well-planned, thoughtfully designed charcuterie or cheese board. It can be the traditional version of preserved meats or cheeses, or you can take the modern approach by using it to plate Thanksgiving leftovers. A great idea for Thanksgiving night, second dinner, or the day after. So, Olivia, let's build the Thanksgiving leftovers board together, and it is on page 105. With this board, I promise you, everyone will be around the table ready to eat up all those leftovers you have in the fridge. So I'm super excited to walk everyone through how to make this. Okay, so there's five steps to this. What's the first step? Yes. So first step, find all the leftovers you have in there and let's warm those up. Stuffing, we have leftover mashed sweet potatoes. There's some cranberry sauce, of course, some turkey breast. So take all of those, however you prefer to heat those up, whether that's the oven or the microwave, um, maybe it's the air fryer, whatever you use, warm up all those leftovers and have them surrounding your board. The next step is to place some bowls on the larger board so that you have places to put the mashed potatoes in the stuffing, right? So I use a medium bowl and a couple of smaller bowls for, um, you know, the cranberry cranberry sauce and maybe some mustard and mayonnaise for sandwiches. So make sure you place those ramekins right on the board to save those spots for the future. Um, once everything is heated up, you can go ahead and just fill those up. So I filled two smaller bowls with um, some mashed potatoes and the cranberry sauce. I filled a larger bowl with stuffing. And then I have two smaller little ramekins for um, some mustard and some mayonnaise. So those are on the board and they are staying put. The next step we'll do is we'll add that turkey because it's going to be the largest and probably the focal point of your board. Let's throw that on first. So I'll take that sliced turkey and I'll just kind of wrap that around nicely. I'll layer it one slice on top of each other and have it looking really clean and organized on the board and probably place it right in the center so it's easy to grab for everybody. Then I'll kind of put a couple of piles of rolls on the board because for this board specifically, my family loves to make leftover Thanksgiving sandwiches. So this is all about taking all those great leftovers and putting it into one delicious sandwich. So I like the little sweet Hawaiian rolls. So I'll put a couple of little roll piles right on the board so you can pick them right off. Next, um, I'll add maybe a couple of extra things that I might have in the fridge, or if you want to just spice it up and grab a couple of nice cheeses from the grocery store, I place some cheeses right in the corner and some crackers around the side. So you can, you know, mix and match, try a couple of new things for your sandwich if you wish, or just add cheese to your sandwich. And then I might add some fruit. So I'll add some pomegranates, some grapes, some berries. There's so many leftovers in the fridge. You might already have them because the kids like to eat them during the day. So whatever you have on there to bring a little bit of color and sweetness to the board, go ahead and throw that right on there. And then last, um, I will just add kind of some of the smaller elements that help fill in the board. So I'll add the lettuce, um, some nuts, some figs. They're really, really good this time of year. And then of course, I'll garnish with some rosemary sprigs and then of course, serve it with some gravy on the side. And then you have the perfect Thanksgiving leftovers board. So I think this board is so versatile because if you're starving, you can make a bunch of little sandwiches. But if you're not that hungry and you just kind of want to nibble, you could have some cheese and crackers. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. It's the best. And it can be eaten throughout the night, right? Like my family, we have dinner at 2 PM and we do that specifically because we love second dinner. So it's so funny because this is something that we've done in my family for years and it is such a fun tradition for us. And yeah, you can eat it just throughout the entire remainder of the night and enjoy your time with your family. And on this particular recipe, you have one dot and one dollar sign. What does that mean? One thing I really wanted to pull through the book was how easy is this going to be for me to make and how expensive is this going to be for me to make? And so you'll see throughout the book, I use the dots as indicators of how difficult the board will be to make. And the dollar signs means how much are you going to have to invest in this board, right? Because those are really important factors when you're deciding what type of board you want to make. So one dot for this board, the Thanksgiving leftovers board, because You've already done all the work. All you have to do is pop these in the oven or the microwave and you're good to go. This is a no cook board because you already did all the hard work. So that's why I have it as the easiest one you could do because everything's already made for you. I also have it as an expensive with $1 sign because uh, you've already spent all this money and all this time on for the food for the holidays. So there's no more that you need to purchase. Just grab whatever's in your pantry, whatever's in your fridge and throw it right on the board. So it's relatively inexpensive to make and relatively easy to make too. So on every one of your boards, you have have a little section called My Perfect Bite and Bottoms Up. With the Thanksgiving leftovers board, what is your perfect bite? Yes. So my perfect bite is turkey, a spoonful of my grandma's potato stuffing, which is what is pictured here, lettuce, mayonnaise, and mustard on a sweet roll. So that is my perfect Thanksgiving sandwich. And that's what I made for you guys there. And then bottoms up, I chose a full body brown ale, which is really perfect for like the dry nuttiness of the sandwich and all those great Thanksgiving warm, heavy flavors. So um, that's what I chose to pair. So I love to include my dad always has the dogfish head Indian brown ale for Thanksgiving. So we always love to include that with this board. So we know boards are beautiful and they're a crowd pleaser, but you talk about how they also bring people together around the table. Talk a little bit about that community aspect of boards. It's amazing what a culmination of everybody around a table enjoying food can create, right? I love that these boards, cheese boards, food boards, candy boards, whatever it is, and encourage people to gather together around this board and it sparks conversations. You know, we've been separated for a few years now. And so more than ever, the idea of being connected and enjoying each other and, and being in each other's company is so important. And I think so many times we can just envision ourselves like sitting around a beautiful display of food and be like, oh my goodness, did you try this? Like try that cheese with this cracker or this jam. I just think it's so beautiful, especially around the holidays. And that's what I love love so much about them. So you can even make a big, beautiful dessert board. On page 106, you have a board called Thankful for Desserts. Could you walk us through the four steps? Absolutely. I, I love that you picked these two. It's actually the, obviously the perfect time of year, but these are two of my favorite boards in the whole book. Not only because I just think they're so beautiful, but because I think they're so perfect and they're such an amazing way to create some fun around the holidays. Um, so the Thankful for Desserts board can be as easy as or as difficult as you like. If you're a baker, you love to be in the kitchen making pies and donuts, then you can make all of your own desserts and make this an incredible board. If that's not you, that's totally fine too. That's not me. Everything I do is how can I do something as quickly and easily as possible while adding a couple of special little flares within. So a lot of the stuff on this particular board I purchased, but there are a few things on here that you can make yourself if that's something that you choose to do. So for this one, it's four really simple steps. So the one thing that I did choose to make it, so if you are someone that would prefer to go and like purchase your pies and your donuts and your treats at the grocery store, one way to make it feel a little bit more homegrown 
homegrown is making your own whipped cream. So the first step is making your own pumpkin spice whipped cream. And you can add that to your pecan pie or your pumpkin pie, or just dip it your cookies in it. So I give you a recipe on how to make your own pumpkin spice whipped cream. Super, super easy. So the first step is making the pumpkin whipped cream and then placing it in a small bowl right directly onto the board. The next step is we're going to start assembling the rest of the ingredients. So we'll add anything that you purchase. So for my board, I chose a pecan pie because my family loves pecan pie. I have these little mini pumpkin pies because that's my favorite. Um, I have donuts and I have all kinds of other little you know, holiday spiced Thanksgiving-esque cookies on there. So the next step after I add some of those bigger elements, so the pies and the donuts, um, I go into some of the smaller pieces. So the spiced cookies, the ginger snaps, the orange slices. And I just kind of like fan those, organize those throughout the board, making them look really clean and simple and inviting to pick up. And then lastly, um, I'll add little dollops of the whipped cream onto little pies. I'll garnish with maybe some fruits, some, um, you know, sliced oranges, some rosemary, little tiny um, pomegranate nuggets and just kind of make it look really fun and festive. So very super simple, but it really makes for a beautiful display. Okay. Talk about your pomegranate clusters that you use. They're so cute. Oh, thank you so much. I love them. So they, they can be a little bit finicky. Everyone knows if you've worked with pomegranates before, sometimes it's tough, but you can make the perfect little pomegranate clusters. You, all you have to do is kind of take the pomegranate, you score around the back of the pomegranate on the peel side and reveal each of those kind of fruit sections. And you just kind of pull it back. So we're not cutting it directly through the pomegranate, you're just peeling back. And as you do that, you kind of take those individual little pieces and just pull apart until you reveal these small little clusters. And you can like pick the little, the white skin out from each little piece. And you have these little tiny balls of pomegranate, very gentle practice. But if you do it enough times, it looks really, really pretty as a garnish. They don't come out the same. Each one is a little bit different. Yeah, it is. It's very rustic. It feels really natural and homey. And yeah, they all have a little different look. And I love that about them. So with these two Thanksgiving boards, I noticed both had autumnal color palettes, browns and oranges and beiges. How should we be thinking about color? I know very much by the mood. What's the event that I'm trying to build a board for? What's the holiday or celebration? We'll start there. And then I think about what flavors I want to pull through. So for these flavors, obviously it's that warm, spiced holiday feel. You want rich colors with dark contrasts and things that pair really well with each other. And so a lot of that lends to this beautiful color palette that you get in the fall with pops of brightness from that red for like pomegranate, for example. Um, so really think about what feeling are you trying to create with your food? What uh, what are we celebrating today? And how can I pull that through everything I have on this board? And once you have that, then you can think about introducing those unique flavor combinations that are you know special around that season. What's a good all-around versatile board that's easy to clean and has adequate space? My favorite board, my absolute go-to is like a 12-inch round board, typically a wood board, something that's already been treated because you can clean it off really easily and it's not going to stain. And preferably one that maybe comes up a little bit, it has a little bit of curvature around the edge because that makes it a lot easier for you to travel with, or especially around the holidays. Um, so I would go 12-inch round board that's been treated previously so it's easy to clean and something that has 
you know, an edge to it so that it's easy to travel without having things fall off the side. How do you clean a wood board? Oh my goodness. There's so many different ways to treat a wood board. And it's a really great question. Actually in the book, I go into some detail about all the different types of woods or not all the different types, but a lot of the most frequently used types of wood for cheese boards. So there's acacia, which is something that you'll typically see be used because it's so hardy. You'll see a lot in targets and home goods, like a lot of those home stores because it lasts a long time and it's very, very beautiful. So you'll see acacia a lot. You'll see teak, uh, cherry, olive. Each and every one of those has different care techniques because they're all treated differently and they all have a different level of porous. So actually in the book, I talk a little bit about each of those woods and what makes them unique and how to protect those. But I would say the biggest thing that you can do is one, make sure when you're washing them, you're being very gentle. You're using a soft, all natural soap to get food residue off. You're drying by hand and you're always treating with a wood oil after using the board. So you can just continue to see that beautiful shine on the wood for years and years to come. Okay. I know this sounds funny, but I find one issue I have over and over again with making my boards look pretty is fanning out the crackers. Do you have any fanning tips? Yes. It's so funny because I totally know what you're talking about. And it's that is one of the number one things I hear is the crackers and the charcuterie. How do I get my charcuterie to stand up? And so it's it's a great question. And I am very particular about the way I place my crackers. And you'll see might see that in the book and in some of my tips. The fanning technique, I think, is really beautiful. And it's a way to make it look very organized and not messy on the board, which is so much about it adds to that aesthetic feel of your board, right? So the, the fanning technique is really, really easy. You kind of start from a center point. So say you have have a handful of crackers. They might be longer. They could be square. They could be circle. Start from a center point and just kind of fan the crackers around maybe the edge of your board or, um, you know, around one of the ramekins or bowls you have on there and just placing one on top of the other and keeping them tighter in that center. It kind of gives it this really pretty fanning look or this very organized cracker ribbon from the top of your board to the bottom of your board. So that's a really good way to do it. And if you didn't want to take up too much of your space, that precious, precious space on your board, you could always do a completely different board or basket full of carbs. So you have breads, you have breadsticks, you have crackers, something a little more rustic. So, and also so that you can fit a lot more crackers on the table. That is a relief to hear that I could just put the crackers into a little <laughs> little bowl and put it on the side. Absolutely. That <laughs> yeah, put it off the side, tuck a couple in there just for the for the texture and throw the rest off to the side. You absolutely can do that. Now, why is garnishing so important and what are your go-to garnishes? I love garnishing truly and honestly, it's one of my favorite parts about making the board for a couple of reasons. One, it is so so beautiful. It really helps pull through that theme that you're trying to create while also adding a different flavor component that you might not you might not have you know initially tried they're all edible right so there's so many different garnishes you can do and at the end of the day we eat with our eyes first and those garnishes really are such a pop of color a pop of texture and they're really in- important to incorporate onto your board my favorite garnishing um if i'm going to choose herbs it depends on the season i love rosemary in the winter months and in the fall months because they kind of emulate that idea of that christmas tree um that a thyme is very beautiful. Oregano is a super leafy herb um, that I think most people don't think about, but it's very beautiful on a board. And in the summer, I love to incorporate mint because it's super delicious with cheese and it's also 
a beautiful green color. Um, and if you want to get a little fancy, of course, you can always incorporate the edible flowers, which are insanely beautiful. And there's a ton of different ones during different times of the year that are very fun to incorporate. So those are probably my top ones. And I noticed you used green leaf lettuce. I've never thought of that. Yes. I always try to find not only food that, of course, like tastes good. It has to complement one another. There needs to be unique flavor combinations that make every bite special, but things that are enticing are interesting to you because they should catch your eye and and get you to want to try something different. So yeah, even having that green leafy lettuce on there, maybe for the vegan board um, or any of the other boards, it's a great, fun, different garnish to add onto the board. I was like a garnish that fills in the big gaps that I inevitably have. <laughs> <laughs> it's important and they absolutely do that. That and nuts are the best gap fillers you could have. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your hopeless hostess tips. Yeah. So the hopeless hostess tips are throughout the entire book and they're kind of like a look into my brain. Uh, I've been doing this for so, so long. And so one thing I really wanted to pull throughout the book is what are those little tiny, you know, quips of information that you might not normally see within my social platform, but is something that I am processing through my brain as I'm making this board. So you'll see them. There's probably over a hundred throughout the book and they're just kind of jotted on the side of a, of a recipe. And they talk a little bit about, Hey, when you're doing this, think about making it in this shape or try to leave this cook for this amount of time and do it this way. So it's helping you to really create exactly what you're seeing on that page. And just things that you might not necessarily be thinking about through when you're going through, you know, the recipe for the first time. Last week, Tasting Table did a survey of people's favorite meat to feature on the charcuterie board. And number one was pepperoni. It was the hands down favorite. And I would have said prosciutto, but it wasn't. Um, but prosciutto was second and third was chorizo. What mm -hmm. is your favorite? That is actually very funny. Pepperoni is my dad's favorite as well. Uh, I would have probably guessed prosciutto would have been first too. My two favorites are not on that top list of three. I actually love soprasada, which is a dry salami, um, but it has these larger sections of fat because it's ground up a lot more coarsely than some of the other varieties varieties of salami. So it's really decadent and delicious. And the other one that I think gets looked over a little bit, but I personally love it. I mean, it's great for people that um, do not eat pork. It's called uh, bresola, which is an air dried salted beef. So um, it's a salty cured beef and it's delicious. It's so good. It's like the non-pork version of prosciutto, you know, if you wanted to have an alternative and it's one of my favorite charcuteries to have on the plate. Last but not least, I have to ask you about the whole butterboard trend. Love it or hate it? Love it. What? Absolutely love it. No. I know. I'm I so do. disappointed in you, Olivia. <laughs> I feel like it's such a polarizing topic. I want to hear your opinion too. Let me tell you why I love it. Because the art of a beautiful piece of bread with butter is lost. There is nothing better than a, a delicious piece of warm bread with butter on it. And I love that. And so when I saw that, I was like, this is very fun. It also made me go try better butter because I usually will buy the cheapest butter I can find. I found a fancy butter and I made a really fun cranberry compote with, it's like a cranberry red wine reduction with cinnamon and all these good spices. I toasted rosemary. It was truthfully heavenly. I took it to my fiance's dad's 60th birthday 
party and it was a hit. It truly was. And I had a blast making it. So that's why I love it. But I'm very, I very much want to hear your opinion too. Okay. I do have to say, I love me some bread and butter. So (laughs) that said, I do think there's so much double dipping going on on the butter board. It makes it really gross on Instagram. I was like, ew, you know, all these people are just biting off a piece of bread and then going back into the butter. (laughs) I couldn't agree more with you there. Fully. 100% agree. We have to be serving the butter board with butter knives and you cannot be going back for the double dip. I couldn't agree more. So I did serve my butter board with knives. Also, I think one other important thing to consider if you did want to make one is choose the right surface. You shouldn't probably put butter on a wood board that's going to lose its temperature for long periods of time. Um, Maybe choose like a marble board or a slate board, something that's going to remain a little bit cooler in temperature. You can have that in the fridge until you're ready to take it out and it's going to hold that temperature of the butter for longer. So food safety as well. But I totally hear you on the the cleanliness aspect. No double dippers. Okay, here's our takeaway. Use butter knives with the butterboard. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Now to my segment called I Could Keep Eating, where I ask you what one food you could just keep eating and eating. And since this is a Thanksgiving themed episode, what is one Thanksgiving thing you could just keep eating and eating? And for me, it's pecan pie. Oh, love that. And I'm going to go in the same vein. It's candy pecans. Because I love them. I could eat them for days. So that is mine as well. Where can we find you on the web and social media? You can find me um, on Instagram and TikTok at charcuterie.chick. And um, you'll see it on there. It says live charcuterie.chick on my website, which is actually currently um, under construction. So you can't find me there yet, but follow me on Instagram and on TikTok. And I will announce when my new website is live. It's Thanksgiving and there's no better time to try out a board from the art of the board and your guests are going to love it thanks so much olivia for coming on cookery by the book podcast and happy thanksgiving thanks Susie. you too follow cookery by the book on instagram and thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast cookery by the book